So the reading is from Genesis chapter 14, verses 14 to 24. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobar, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedilomar and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm sorry to be part of the older group, Joash, but there we go. I was 70 in the last couple of weeks, but there we go. Okay, so what a fantastic reading I've been given. Um, it's an amazing one, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment. Let's pray before I do that. Father, thank you that your word is alive and active. You speak to us from your word. And that's what we pray this morning. You will speak your living word to us. And make it come alive in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's the title of today. The names of God, El Elyon. And you did hear that mentioned, I think, three times in that passage. But actually that passage has got far more in it. And we're going to take some of the other stuff to get us to... El Elyon. So just uh, next slide will show you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Abraham and what he's up to. We're going to talk about Melchizedek and what he's doing in this passage. And then we're going to talk about the names of God going on from there. God blessing Abraham on his journey of obedience. Melchizedek doesn't really turn up later, until later on in the scripture. Hebrews is where he really turns up. And then the names of God. I say this is all about that. So next slide, Abraham. Next slide, Abraham. Hi, there we go. Okay, so what's happening in the life of Abraham? Well, if you read back a couple of chapters, he's been taken by his father uh, some of the way on the journey to Canaan. But then his father dies, and he then is in encounter with God who speaks to him and says, you need to travel on. And that's what happens there. And as he travels on, so he learns more about God at work in the affairs of the world and God at work in his own life and they end up in Canaan but more about that 
may be in later uh, studies in Genesis. Okay, so what happens here is that Abraham is journeying to a destination that in the end he sort of gets to, but we'll follow that up a little bit later on if we have the time. He's called by his father to go so far, but then it takes his heavenly father to speak to him explicitly to say, go there and I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Now I've put there on the slide that this has been a really important passage to me because way back in, before half of you even dreamt of, 1976, God was exploring in my life my call to ministry. And I'd been to, I was worshipping in Worcester Cathedral at the time and various canons said you ought to be ordained and I thought, and I went off to be selected and I went to Ealing and by the grace of God I was selected. And then very soon after that I was baptised in the Spirit. Now if you don't know what that is, ask me afterwards, but it was an amazing experience because I was immersed in the love of God revealed in my life through the Holy Spirit and that was just incredible and so everything that we thought God had been speaking to me we then had to ask questions say, is this really God speaking? was that just a human invention? what's going on? and in that period of exploration somebody prayed this passage from Genesis 12 saying this is what I think God's saying I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing and that became for us a really really powerful image of what God was going to do um, and I think since then God's been trying to fulfill that in me and through me. And so here's Abraham on a journey discovering God blessing him. And here's God saying that to me 3,500 years later and doing similar things in my life, which is amazing, isn't it? You say this word is alive and active. It is still alive and still active. Thank God it is still alive and active. So I suppose I have questions for each of us as we look at this passage about Abraham and his journey of obedience. What's happening in our lives as we journey in obedience to God's call? So they're really quite simple questions. How far have you journeyed so far with God? And is there somewhere else he's, got, he's calling you to? Okay, that was specifically relevant back in then of course in 76, 77, 78 because I was going to sell my house and move to London and go and study and then go to various places from there but maybe what God is calling you to is to stay where you are but with a question about whether your obedience to him requires you to take inner steps maybe some outer steps too to say I need to do this so I'm living my life in obedience to God's call. Very specific challenge for me then, still a specific challenge at times that God says, what about this? What about this? What about this? And in that process, Abraham learned about the nature of God and the call of God. And actually that's important for each of us, isn't it? That we're continuing to learn about the nature of God and the call of God. We're not just to be relying on what God did in 1976, because most of you weren't alive then, but what God was doing then was important, but he still speaks, he still calls, he still invites us to learn more about him and about his nature. 
So I suppose the question is, what's God calling you into and what is he teaching you about his nature? Leave that thought and maybe come back to Abraham later on. The next important bit of this passage is Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek only appears one more time in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, and then appears significantly in Hebrews 5, 6 and 7. So in Psalm 110 you hear this one verse. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You get no explanation of that. It just appears there and then it disappears again. So that's all you know about him, what happens in Genesis 14, what happens in Psalm 110, and then you know nothing until Hebrews 5, 6 and 7. And then you learn what was happening in the life of Melchizedek. And what was going on, well, is a prefiguring, isn't he, of Jesus. I grew up in a very conservative evangelical home where we were taught that Jesus appears several times in the Old Testament. Um, I still have a debate about whether he was there in the person of Melchizedek. He was certainly prefigured in Melchizedek. He was there at Daniel in the, in the fiery furnace uh, and all sorts of other places where Jesus appeared. Here we're told in Hebrews Jesus is just like Melchizedek and actually we're told that Melchizedek is a king of righteousness and a king of peace. What amazing things to learn is happening in the life of Abraham revealed later in the life of Jesus the king of righteousness and the king of peace meets him on this journey and in fact he realizes who he is he recognized him and the next slide he actually gave him a tithe of what he had there's something deeply significant going on there in Abraham's life isn't there he understands that God has met him in this priest and God has blessed him and he's given a tithe of what he has to him because he realizes king of righteousness, king of peace has come to speak to him. And more than that, because Melchizedek brought bread and wine. Um, we haven't got time to go into the revelation of God in bread and wine. We had a communion service earlier. This isn't communion, but actually there's something significant going on, isn't there, in God's revelation in bread and wine. There's no mention of what happens to it in this passage, but we know later on that that became powerfully significant in the revelation of Jesus, in his relationship with his disciples. So much so they're told to do this in memory of him. So here is this revelation of God in Melchizedek, with bread and wine. If you need a clear explanation of that, don't ask me. I'm of the I don't know school of thought about half the things in scripture. I thought I knew them when I was a kid. I have various books on my shelves about God's answers to everything in scripture. And then I look at them again and think it's a bit more complex than that, isn't it? Because there's God being revealed in bread and wine and yet we don't fully understand that until Jesus comes and now we partially understand that, don't we? Fully understand. I don't fully understand it. 
I'll ask you afterwards if you fully understand what's happening there, okay? Form a queue outside church and tell me. We better move on. The next slide. Apart from Melchizedek revealing things in the life of Abraham, we get this amazing passage. Uh, sorry, I'm moving on two slides, aren't I? Okay, can you move on one slide? There we are, names of God. Brilliant. We get this name of God being used here, El Elyon. Now, I'm not an expert on Hebrew, so I asked a friend who did Old Testament Hebrew, and he said, well, the simplest way of translating, if you translate it into the contemporary language, it would be something like God, God, Super God. And actually, somebody said after the 9 o'clock show, I should have done a Superman action at this point, sort of, you know, God, God, Super God, sort of happening. That's what it's trying to say here. This is not just God, this is God. It's not just God, this is God, super God. This is God who is the protector, the creator, the maker. The translations of the Old Testament are, are interesting how they translate that next phrase. What is happening is, is being revealed here. God is the protector, creator and possessor of heaven and earth. What an amazing thing is being revealed to Abraham there through Melchizedek. God is God, God, super God. Creator, possessor, protector of heaven and earth. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? We can just stop on that point. Here is God, God, super God being revealed to the person of Abraham and he protects and creates and possesses all things, all things. Wow. There's an incredible point of revelation there, isn't there? God made all things, God created all things, God protects all things, possesses all things. And in that context, Abraham worships and gives a tithe to Melchizedek. So one of my questions is, how are we doing in our recognition of God as God, God, super God, and our giving to him what he is due? And the tithe is a symbol of that, isn't it? It's saying, God, you've given me everything I give back to you, at least a tenth of what you've given me, because you've given it all to me. So it would be petty of me to give you less than that. If we had time, I could take you through my story of learning to tithe. Boy, it's been a battle. It's been a real struggle. When money's been tight, why should I give any of it to God? Not your experience? It's a horrible experience for me. When things have been tight, why would I give anything to him? And then the challenge today, well, actually give him a tenth because that's a sign of your faith that God, God, super God, possesses everything and knows your need. So give it to him because that's a sign of trusting him. Abraham does that and he says, I'm not going to let anybody else touch this. This is for God alone incredible faith that he shows there isn't it in what God is doing in his life so here is God 
God, super God. And the challenge comes in how we respond to that ourselves. It's a great history to read, to know that happened in, what is it, 1500 BC or something like that. Yeah? Wonderful to know that we're inheritors of Abraham after his relationship with God is tested and he learns to live in righteous faith. But actually I want to challenge to think about how we address God. My wife was here for the nine o'clock service and she knows that at times when I've been bickering, I've been bemused, is the kindest word, as people have prayed in church prayer meetings when they seem to pray to God by half a dozen different names and change from father to son to spirit to God and I've been confused about who they've been speaking to. Now God's probably cleverer than that but I've found it confusing to know who people are speaking to. If you're speaking to God, God the Father, God Almighty, God the Creator, God the Eternal, that's, that's important, that's who he is. But he's also Jesus, King. King eternal, king of righteousness, king of peace. Isn't that amazing? And he's also the spirit who is the comforter and the giver of gifts. And when we pray, I think we need to think about who we're speaking to. Because it makes a difference, doesn't it, who you're speaking to. I, well, I live in a little cul-de-sac in Huntington. And there are 32 houses, uh, sorry, 16 houses there. And people there call me by name. It's nice. Hello, Paul. How are you, Paul? <laughs> and that's lovely. And it says something about our relationship, doesn't it? They know my name and they call me by name. Does it make a difference when you speak to God? How you speak to him? I think it does. It says something about what's going on in your heart as you pray. And there are times... When recognizing that God is God, God, super God, is so powerfully true that you may just need to fall down on your knees and weep before him. And actually it's interesting that in the New Testament how often people just need a touch of Jesus' presence. <laughs> That's all it needs touch of his cloak, a word from Jesus and a healing takes place. Because actually a full encounter with God, God, super God, creator of heaven and earth. Not sure I could take that. It's a bit, isn't it a bit, a bit scary at thought of God, God, super God who owns everything, who made everything, who created everything. And so thank God he's revealed himself as Jesus, King of righteousness, King of peace, as spirit, as comforter, as giver of gifts. So there's a passage on the names of God. Well, sort of on names of God, isn't it? It's about the journey of Abraham and the journey of faith that took him deeper and deeper into relationship with God and deeper into the fulfillment of God's promises not just to Abraham but to all his people that includes each one of us it's included in all his promises to Abraham isn't that amazing? look amazed please 
Thank you, that's better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there's something incredible that that revelation feeds down into our lives. And that revelation through Melchizedek feeds down to our lives too because Jesus has revealed that king of righteousness and king of peace into our lives. Incredible gift of Jesus. And that calls us to response, doesn't it? To give back to him our lives and everything we have. And it calls us into prayer. Because who is God? He's God, God, super God. And that invites us to bow and worship. I think I'll stop there. Let's just turn now to prayer on that response. Let's pray. God, Father, Creator, Protector, Possessor, God of all things, we praise you and we worship you because you are God, God, Super God. You are God and we worship you. And we bow before you, but we praise you that you have revealed yourself too. As Jesus, King of righteousness, King of peace, thank you that we can relate to you through him. And because of him we have those gifts of righteousness and peace in our lives. Thank you that as we bow before you in Jesus, so we can offer you in Jesus all that you've given us. And we offer it back to you now. And we thank you that you revealed yourself to us, the Holy Spirit. As Spirit, we thank you. Your gift of comfort. Your gift of grace your gift of giving that leads us in service. Father, Son and Spirit, we worship you. We bow before you. We lay our lives before you. Be glorified, we pray.